Hey guys, this is Mark Owings, and I'm your host for the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we have real, raw, and unreligious conversation to encourage and challenge men and women in their daily lives. Well, welcome to the Unbridled Life Podcast. I'm super excited about two guests that I have on. One of them is a very, very dear friend, and one of them's becoming a dear friend really quick. But I think what you're going to hear come out today is two people coming out of the closet. And it seems to be everyone's coming out of the closet right now. But you may be surprised of what they're going to talk about coming out of the closet about, what they learned in the closet, and what you can learn from this. And so I want to introduce, first is my friend Sarah Martinez, a homeschool mom. And uh, she's got some unique things to share with you today. And then a new friend, Rebecca Hardy who is with Texans for Vaccine Choice, and she's got a lot to share with us, and she's got a background of pathology. She was in the school system helping kids, doing what she was called to do, and then found a deep passion becoming an activist after going through what we all understood what we went through after 2020. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, Rebecca, why don't we just start with you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, and you dive off, and we're going to follow you. All right. Well, I am first and foremost a a wife and a mother of two teenage girls, and my background is a, a, like you said, I'm a speech pathologist by degree and practiced for about 20 years in the DFW area until 2015 when a state representative out of Dallas filed a bill that would have removed the exemptions for school and the vaccine exemptions for for school students in Texas. And at the time, I was just a little quiet speech pathologist with my head down, making different vaccine decisions for my my girls. And that that bill was going to be a big problem for me personally because my girls were attending, you know, their Mother's Day out and programs with the exemption. And I always say it just takes one bill to wake you up on, huh, I wonder, I guess those people down in Austin are actually impacting my life in a negative way. And so. So this bill would have, just so I'm clear, this bill would have given them the ability to say, nope, you can't come to this school. Nope, you can't come to this child care. Nope, you've got to do, and you've got to vaccine according to the laws that someone passed in Austin. Yes, so we have essentially enjoyed vaccine exemptions in Texas forever. In twenty in two thousand and three, that exemption process was more formalized and streamlined, and so we now have kind of a really standardized exemption process in Texas, and we've enjoyed it for you know a couple of decades now. This is nothing new. It's not you know, some big secret or anything, although they schools do like to hide that information. But that bill would have stopped that exemption process that parents have enjoyed pretty much forever in Texas. Wow. So, Sarah, you're a homeschool mom. So tell us, are your kids vaccinated? My kids are not vaccinated at all. So they're sick all the time, right? No, they're very healthy. Very healthy. Never been to the hospital, never done anything. No, they're very healthy. We're super blessed. So for me, when I was pregnant with my first one about 16 years ago, someone handed me some information about vaccines and just said, you know, look into it. Just see what you think. And so uh, I researched for maybe 20 minutes and my mind was made up. 
I knew right then and there that I didn't want to take on the risk that I could see was coming from, you know, the the typical vaccine schedule for kids. And so I started on a path that I did not realize was going to be so volatile. And, you know, in the beginning, it was pretty scary to admit to anyone that you were making different vaccine choices. <laughs> you had to keep it, you know, like you say, in the closet. And, and so I am so grateful for organizations like Texans for Vaccine Choice that gives us a, a, a place to go and get information and a group to, you know, support us. And just, you know, like it says, just giving people the choice you know, of what is best for your family. And I think that's what we're here for is to talk about that choice. And I, and I think for me and my wife, we didn't know any better. We just went with the stream. You know, if a doctor told us, we just went with it. So matter of fact, we adopted a little girl from China. She was vaccinated in China and then double vaccinated here. And so God's grace covers all that. And today, this is not to shame anybody that is or is not vaccinated. This is about educating you. And so, Rebecca, for the last five years, tell us what you've been doing and educate us in this process. Yes. Well, we we were founded in 2015. So it's actually been just over eight years that we've been doing this far before, you know, COVID was on the scene. And yeah, so we we I like to say we celebrated our eighth birthday, which means we were for vaccine choice before it was cool to be for vaccine (laughs) choice because, you know, COVID is really opened a lot of people's eyes and it's very it's not such a taboo talk topic anymore and for that i'm very very thankful i got a question so you said that 2020 and all uh, the covid scare and all the what we went through how do you think that opened our eyes i know how it opened mine yes but tell us what you've learned what we experienced as an organization was i mean just so many people woke up to just how much undue influence big pharma has in nearly every aspect of our lives. I mean, if you think about what the COVID response involved, it was, you know, anything that was actually healthy was never mentioned. It was, you were not encouraged to get sunlight. You were not encouraged to, you know, supplement or boost your immune system. You weren't encouraged to exercise. You were encouraged to sit in your house in a state of fear 24-7. You weren't to socialize, you know, you, they removed every single pressure valve of a society from sports to concerts, to church, to, I mean, everything. And then, you know, we're experiencing this, I mean, the ripple effects of that shutdown will be felt for generations. You know, the mental health statistics are through the roof. The suicide statistics are through through, the roof. I mean, it is, we do, we will now have this mental health crisis on our hands because of this response. And I mean, it is, it's sobering to think of how we are going to handle this moving forward. And we talked a little bit about this, you know, I, I, this is me personally making this statement, you know, I'm in the ministry. I deal with a lot of mental health. I've dealt with mental health, dealing with anxiety, depression. Part of our story is in that. And watching this ramp up, suicide is ramped up crazy off the chain. And people need to get educated. Hey, the numbers that are spiking right now over the last three years are insane yes. in kids, in kids. And we've got this whole movement with a lot of groups saying they're protecting kids, but they're not protecting kids. And what we saw with the CDC, what I would call a bipolar schizophrenic 
informational propaganda. The CDC, hey, I love and bless the CDC because they're there to give us information, but it became very clear to me they weren't in control, and this thing was being ping-ponged back and forth, and then the masks come in, and people are in hysteria and a fear. We're running to vaccines. Then, then it becomes, it's not heterosexual against homosexual. It becomes, in that point, the vaccinated against the non-vaccinated, and this disunity came, and I just go, man, we want free choice, but fear, anytime fear drives something, the outcome is never what we want it to be. So I would like to hear just, you're an expert in this and you've you've seen and watched this. In your opinion, what are some of the negatives that happen by all these people going to get vaccinated? Well, let's start with just what you talked about, the CDC and their, I would like to say, I don't know how to phrase it, maybe their campaign of division. Mm. Because that really, I mean, we saw so many people I mean, we had families pitted against each other. We had friendships dissolve over this vaccine. I mean, and that, I mean, I I firmly believe that was kind of part of the agenda was to pit citizens against each other. And it was, if you don't do this, you're just a grandma killer. You're the, you're selfish. You're, and the thing is, I mean, this, I feel like is the biggest hat trick that Big Pharma has done to our society is the whole, if you don't get yours, then mine doesn't work. And I mean, that is the most unscientific position to hold. I mean, just think about how does that work with any other medication? I'm taking my Claritin today so you don't have the sniffles. You know, I'm right. wearing deodorant so you don't stink. And, you know, you can mean you can say I'm, yeah. I have my umbrella so that you don't get wet. I mean, it's just the most ridiculous thing. I mean, no other medication is dependent on other people taking it vaccination is a selfish decision because you want the protection you're not taking let's be clear no one has consented to a vaccine because they want to protect somebody else it's because they're fearful of a disease themselves and so um that division campaign was probably the most one of the most grotesque outcomes of the covid response but now we're seeing you know, we had the likes of Dr. Walensky and, and Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, all these doc- talking heads that were saying adamantly, if you if you get this, you won't get sick, you won't be hospitalized, you won't spread it. Which was totally, totally untrue. It was untrue. And they knew it. If you look at all the documentation that Pfizer and Moderna tried to hide for 70 some odd years that were they were compelled to release this by a judge. God bless them. And if you look at all of that, you know, clinical data, it was very clear from the very beginning that these shots were tested just for symptom reduction and not for an infection prevention or transmission prevention. So that's been proven now. It yeah. was symptom reduction, not. And I, I've got a question. I know the answer to it. Is this a true vaccine? Well, let's let's be clear. Let's I like to just call them jabs because at this point, you know, they keep on redefining the word vaccine mm-hmm. to fit these these you know narratives. And I, you know, it's just it's it's not. I mean, it's these, experimental gene therapy. That I, I've I've had other people. What it, what was somebody else call me? Tell me they, something, the juju juice or something. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's and it's and it's crazy because you you just said something and I, and I want to get to more specific. You have a background with kids and you've seen some of the incidents that come out of this, but you mentioned something. We had a family member who was out of college, a very conservative college. All the roommates were vaccinated. This person was not. This person got COVID and the other roommates got totally hysterical and literally said to this person, you're selfish if you don't do this because you're you're going to help kill elderly people. Yeah. So that's not the heart of some kids saying that. That's obviously some propaganda that was believed by an entire family, which we now know is not true. But that person had to come home and they were shunned and they're all vaccinated. My question was, if you're vaccinated, what are you worried about? And if you believe what the CDC and Fauci who is, is, is a disturbed individual to me. But if you believed what he said, then why didn't you just lean into that? Just like you're saying, that's like saying, I put deodorant on, but because you didn't, you're going to stink. And I think you brought some really good practical things that people haven't thought about. But I want to know specifically just what have you run into with kids, adults? What have been some of the injuries associated with the vaccine? With the COVID vaccine specifically? Yes, ma'am. Well, we, goodness, it has been really devastating. I have, I go to speaking engagements all over the state and there's people that come out that say, I took it and they have deep regret because of something that has come up in the, you know, health-wise. Just Tuesday night, I was at an event and this elderly woman said, since I took it, I have had a constant ringing in my ears. Mm. What can you like? What can you recommend? Well, I am not a doctor. I don't give medical advice. I I never have. I never tell anybody to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. That is not my role. I'm here to just pres- help preserve your rights so that that choice remains your own. But there must be some justice for these vaccine injury victims, and we can talk a lot about that. The pitfalls of how we do that as a nation. And it's really appalling, honestly. But for those that have been injured, what I have been seeing is a lot of heart issues. I've had heard devastating stories of miscarriages, just a lot of hospitalizations. Those are probably the big ones. I mean, a lot of people have had to seek hospital care post-vaccination to the point where the risk of post-vaccine hospitalization or injury is far higher than COVID-related death Mm. and hospitalizations. I mean, people need to really get that through their head is that especially for certain age groups, that that, that rate skyrockets. So there were spikes in hospitalization after, so we've got the data of what it looked like and it's trending along, then after the COVID shot, this thing spikes along with suicide, along with all kinds of different things. Leslie and I, my wife, who's here, I'm just praying for us. We experienced, we have family members that, that got vaccinated and, you know, we supported, loved on them. And, but we also saw that I can just say my side of the family was hospitalized mysteriously two times for three weeks, all related to the heart. On the other side, another heart issue. I think it's so sad that you can put it together. I was talking to another doctor that lives near me and she even said, she said, since the, and they were vaccinated. She said, since, since this, I have to take an honest look at this. There is autoimmune that is coming out of nowhere. I've been treating these patients for years 
and now out of nowhere autoimmune and are all vaccinated. So the injuries that are happening that we hear about from family and friends, and listen, if you're out there and you're listening to this, in no way are we saying today that if you had someone that passed away in COVID or with the flu, hey, my, my heart grieves for you. But I can't be silent and not look at the stats, not look at what I'm seeing and watching around my family, around my friends, and not stand up and say, hey, we need to use common sense here. And so it was interesting. Before this, I, I was born in 1968. I asked Miss Rebecca, I said, well, how many vaccinations did I probably have? And your answer was? Probably around 10. Okay. So 55 years later, what are our kids likely to have if we just flow and trust the 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 system the system yes so the current so the current cdc schedule and this is up to date as of all of the actions that they took just in february of 2023 so just a few months ago this is the latest schedule a child born today if their parents are fo- following the cdc schedule by the time they graduate from high school that child would have received 77 vaccine Whoa. vaccine doses. Um, I just want to clarify some of that. You know, we count any vaccine that in, that has more than one component, such as the DTaP, that has three vaccines in it. It's one injection, but it's three vaccines, so we count that as three doses. So it's 77 doses by the time they graduate from high school. What I also want to point out, though, is that is that so many of these vaccines have numerous strains in them. So it's not like you just show up and you get your, say, rotavirus vaccine, and it's the one viral strain. There's five strains in the rotavirus vaccine. And so when you really look at, say, the two-month shots, as they are given in real-life practice in pediatrician offices across this nation, they're getting about 26 viral strains injected in one one pediatrician, you know, well baby visit. You know, I don't know about y'all, but my newborns were just in their bassinets. I mean, they they weren't getting exposed to 26 viral anything in real life, but yet we're injecting them. And don't forget that some of those are STD vaccines. Which is insane <laughs> to me. It's like, and their argument's going to be, well, the mom could be carrying one of those STC. One but of those. what's interesting is that Every single pregnant woman in Texas is tested for hepatitis B prior to giving birth. So we know which moms are negative and positive, but yet it's universally applied, the that newborn shot. Well, uh, I, yeah. I want to say something because it's, you know, pharma, I think for a long time, different industries, the tobacco industry we watched come in and ruled and reigned and could lobby a lot of things. Pharma is the new big boy in town that is dictating a lot, and money is behind that any time. You listen to me. People think I'm a Democrat or a Republican. I'm neither. I'm a conservative based upon the Word of God, which is driven by two things, truth and love. But when money is the motivator, and God does care about the motive of man, when we do that for the motive of money, we've entered into greed at the, at the cost of our kids. And so when I hear you say, okay, they know which mom has one of these, and but they're going to give them all to them and agree. What, Rebecca, can you explain to me why? 
The why to me is very clear. It is it is a captured audience for with these babies and their and children for whatever reason as a society we just have this mindset of kids need their shots and we have to vaccinate to protect the older generation. And I just I think Sarah has something to say. Well, I just wanted to ask you too because you mentioned getting your shots 55 years ago and the shots that we're getting today are these very different shots than what were given, you know, 55 years ago, meaning more preservatives, like you were saying, many more strains of virus. So I know a lot of people who have said to me specifically, you know, I got all my shots when I was a kid and I'm fine. What is everybody so worried about? But we're really dealing with a whole new set. We of absolutely are. And we I have told so many people who have said that to me. This is not your grandma's vaccination <laughs> schedule. It's just not. I mean, countless people are like, it's five shots. What's the big deal? I'm like, no, no, no. Look here. You know, this is not what we're dealing with. There have been significant kind of iterations of that vaccine schedule through the generations. Absolutely. And they are you know, combining more so that we have more, you know, but, you know, you used to be able to get just a measles vaccine in America. Now that option is come wholly unavailable to every American. So there's really, you know, it's not, I think about this being, these are, these are products that are sold for profit, yes. right? But yet are essentially mm. mandated by government. So it's, and we can dive into the lack of liability. I would love to talk about that a lot because that is, I feel like we're kind of getting down to the heart of the issue that you just More. asked me as far as the the financial piece, the greed piece of this, because in 1986, the, well, let's just go back a little bit further. In the 70s and 80s, the pharmaceutical companies were getting sued left and right because of the injuries that they were being sued for from parents. Parents were saying, listen, we complied. My kids were, you know, devastatingly injured and they were losing money on vaccines. And so the pharmaceutical companies went and petitioned Congress and said, we are losing money on these products. We're going to have to stop making vaccines <laughs> if we don't, if y'all don't do something. And I wish I could be, you know, I could have been a fly on the wall during these conversations, honestly, because I would love to know why Congress in their infinite wisdom didn't say, why don't you fix your products so they're not right. injured right. so many kids. Right. But instead, they just waved their legislative magic wand and removed all liability for these products. So the same companies that brought us the opi opioid crisis, the Vioxx crisis, the I mean, Johnson & Johnson has gotten sued out of the wazoo for baby powder. I mean, these same companies that have brought us these devastating uh, crises that have killed and injured countless Americans are the same companies that are making our vaccines. But they can be held liable for all of their non-vaccine products, just like, you know, your car seat. If your car seat fails or injures your kid, well, by golly, you can go sue Graco or Britax. But if your kid is injured by these products that are vaccines, there you you essentially have no recourse with the manufacturer. And so that by doing that, it, you know they have removed all incentive to make a safe and effective product. And I mean, for a country that is rather obsessed with consumer protections, I find this abhorrent. 
And do you think that they're labeling more things as a vaccine so it can fall under that? Yeah, that is a liability. Great question. By the way vaccines are classified, it's these biologics is what they're classified as. And the testing threshold, the standards for biologics are very low. You know, when you go to the pharmacy and say, get your blood pressure medication, that that pill has been tested for decades using these the, the gold standard, that double-blind, placebo-based, randomized, controlled trial. That's not what's happening with vaccines at all. They are tested maybe for a few weeks. I mean, we saw this COVID shot. Especially the COVID vaccine. Yeah, I oh mean, that God. was, you know, tested for eight to 10 weeks and then granted that emergency use authorization. And then, you know, Americans in many respects were forced once Biden took over to get that, you know, and it's, mm. and we have this, you know, most parents think that they are, forced into complying with the full childhood vaccination schedule as well. And that's one of the main missions that we have at Texans for Vaccine Choices, just to inform people of their rights. And whole newspaper articles have been written about us with shaming us for informing people about their rights. And I'm like, (laughs) if your products are so great, people should be lining up to get them. And for the most part, they do. So leave the, you know, one to Two percent of us alone. I mean, we we're we're not a threat to you, but their goal is, you know, complete compliance, you know, for for all of us. I think it's funny. I, I disagree on one point. I think you are a threat, and I don't <laughs> think you're two percent. I think ninety percent of Americans are scared out of their mind to talk because what a neighbor. We experienced it in our neighborhood. A lady literally walked by me. We're minding our own business, and she asked me. Standing in my yard, she's not wearing a mask, asked me, do you wear a mask? I said, well, sweetheart, I would if if it would honor somebody, but if you're asking me a question, no. She began to rip into me, and but I could tell how fearful it was. An older lady, as she walked on, her husband just head down, looked at me, and I said, it's okay, bro. And we went and got a care package, took it to the front door, sprayed it down, you know, just so they could see on the, hey, we're not your enemy. Fear is, but I do think we're a threat. And I do want, this isn't just America. This is anyone. We need to wake up and ask questions. We have watched the energy sector contaminate water and watched incredible movies that I remember growing up with that where they go fight this big energy sector where water is being affected and everyone poo-poos it. And they're trying to shut down by bullying then we see it, it you know, in, in the tobacco industry. Now we're seeing it, and I'm not going to be quiet. I can't be quiet. I believe that every minister of the gospel is called to speak truth, do it in love, and do it without fear. I don't want to shame anyone. And I want people to understand what she just said is that our government, anytime a government oversteps its power, I have never seen in history or around the globe, and I've been around the globe, in a lot of different nations, I've never seen a government give back power. They take more and they keep taking more and they partner with people that have ulterior motives. And when you're selling something without any liability to how that works, and it's a really good point, in everything else, there's a liability. But we've got these lobbyists go fight for lobby, and now they're putting medicine up under something to avoid any liability. So what are some of the answers? Like when I hear this, I get infuriated. I want, I want to stand up, walk me through a little bit. 
what are you what is Texans doing for this your organization tell me a little bit about that and educate us how we can get involved. Yes. Well, we just wrapped up a legislative session in Texas. You know, Texans are asking choice. We we are very involved in every step of the two-year political cycle here in Texas. And I know every state is set up a little bit differently, but we just finished our legislative session and we we are there every day. We have our legislative director and we there, at, if not multiple of our directors there, and we host events where we invite people to come down and, and lobby with us. And, right. you know, lobby doesn't have to be a dirty word. You can lobby for the, for, for the right <laughs> thing. Yes, that's yeah. right. And so, so we, we were there. It's, it's incredible. I just want to provide a little bit of perspective here. And that is in sessions past prior to this 2023 session, the vast majority of our efforts in any given session is just defeating the bad bills. Every session, there's anywhere between 12 and two dozen bad bills. These are bills that would incrementally, you know, take away and encroach on your medical liberty, your rights to make these vaccine choices for yourself. We've got, you know, reporting bills. We have, the, we have two electeds that are obsessed with MTRAC, that I-M-M-T-R-A-C. It's the vaccine database in Texas. And right now it's an opt-in process as it should be. If you're going to ask the government, give them permission to track your personal health choices, then by golly, that should absolutely by, be by written consent only. And their bills would completely transform that database where everyone is automatically enrolled. And then you have to go through this secret process, jump through a lot of bureaucratic hoops in order to get removed. And, you know, we've, that's just a sample of some of the bad bills. Occasionally we have a full-blown mandate bill, if not for school students, then for, you know, all teachers or certain professions as well. And so it's, and we're, as far, those are kind of like the bad bills in any given session. And then the good bills, I mean, we're lucky to have maybe six to 10 good bills filed that we have had to, I mean, we just have to work so hard to even get a bill filed. This session... I just want to paint that perspective. On, so that it's you, really good. You, so now in this, you know, first fully kind of post-COVID session we had, we had over 60, 60 bill good bills filed this session. And I think that's a real testimony to a Come couple on. of things. It's a testimony to just how far Big Pharma overplayed their hand during the COVID response. And, you know, and I do believe there were some silver linings to the COVID response. And that's, you know, one of them. We have a, a mass awakening. We have, I mean, I know I joked about how it's, you know, kind of cool to be for vaccine choice now. Well, we're seeing that even in our state legislature where we now have state representatives and state senators willing to put their names on bills now that, you know, wow. never would have prior to COVID. And I, you know, if I can just you know, pat ourselves on the back right quick. I think Please. it's also a testimony to just how hard we've worked in that building. You know, for the longest time, we were kind of considered this kind of fringe, you know, just these crazy moms, you know, type <laughs> of movement. And now we are, I mean, we are known as the backstop in that building against all this tyranny and all this nonsense. I mean, even the people that file these bad bills, I know they go to bed each night knowing that their bills have no chance because TFEC is on the scene. Come on. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad you answered the call. And I, it's, it's just so, you, you said a word, tyranny. Talk to me a little bit in your perspective how that's working right now. 
Where's that coming from? How's that being expressed? Well, thankfully, we are we're seeing a lot of that die down. I think in our nation. I mean, and just clear. I mean, my my lane is vaccines, right? right? And so there's there's other. Let's not totally get it. Yeah, there are other issues that we we could camp on, but I am a I like to stay in my lane. But as far as the the COVID tyranny and that we are seeing it, you know, somewhat die down. But what I want to make sure people know is that unless your state has passed a very specific bill banning these kind of mandates, they're still alive and well. I mean, they're here still in Texas. We had an amazing bill that would have truly ended COVID vaccine mandates in Texas. And it was killed by our Texas House leadership truly at the last minute. And it's it's disgusting. In my opinion, so in your opinion, tell me, why do you think that bill was killed? Oh, I think there is, there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot of money has been funneled to our electeds from Big Pharma and other like-minded organizations such as the, like the hospital districts and the medical associations and such. They are beholden to their donors, whether they want to, you know, admit it or not, they are. There's just always a lot of political hot potatoes that are used in any given session to to get other things across the finish line. And I don't know all the back room deals and discussions that took place in that building, but the killing of HB 81 and SB 177, that COVID Vaccine Freedom Act, it was a victim of that. Well, I think it's so interesting. Let me educate you. So senators come in making one hundred and seventy-four, one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars a year, and some of these senators come out worth ten or fifteen million dollars. So I run a nonprofit organization, and I, I think it'd be interesting if I ran my organization and I make a certain amount of of money and I come out worth ten million dollars. People should start asking questions, and I would be in jail so fast in my nonprofit lane. But I think we've got to start asking questions. I think there needs to be two terms. I think we need to start asking questions of where are you? Governor Abbott, she's not asking you. I'm asking you, where are you in this process? Where are you really protecting? I love your little stunts that are sending people up to different places to make to make a statement. That's great. That's for show and that's for votes. What we want to see is something passed that protects. Here's what makes me angry at this. You don't pass a bill that protects my mother, who's 82 years old. You're not protecting those on Medicare. You're not protecting our veterans who have gone to war and fought for us. As a matter of fact, you can get a dishonorable discharge for not agreeing to this. Have you seen any of that come into play? Well, I mean, if I can just talk about SB 493 right quick. Please. That bill by Senator Hughes, re for the purposes of state veteran benefits, that bill restored any veteran who was less than honorably discharged from our military. And that was so needed. And I'm so thankful for, you know, Senator Hughes and Come on, the Senator representative Hughes. that was the the, the co-sponsor, the sponsor of that bill in the House. Because, I mean, just the way our nation in general treats our military is appalling. Mm. And so, but this COVID nonsense just took it to a whole new level. I mean, they are already treated as guinea pigs when it comes to vaccines. But this experimental, you know, 
nonsense that they were being forced to get or dishonorably discharged. Yeah. You know, it it's it was it was so wrong. And so I that bill uh, has been passed and I can't imagine a scenario. I don't know if it's been officially signed or not, but I can't imagine a scenario where Abbott wouldn't sign it. I mean, but let's be clear. His job is to sign bills. I mean, 100. you don't you don't get a parade for doing your job. He wasn't at the Capitol advocating for any of these bills. These these bills were essentially passed despite him, despite his leadership, not because of it. Wow. No, I agree. I'm not an Abbott fan, but he could have changed my opinion tomorrow mm-hmm. by standing up for what is right and doing what exactly it's his job. And I think too many of them are poll presidents. And I see that honestly in the church. I see that in, the, in our, our sector, our lane. We got quiet. We didn't know what to do. And But I, I see people standing up now and just say, this isn't right. And for those people out there that are a part of the body of Christ or going to church, and I've heard people say stuff like, you know, I, I just want to be a Christian and I don't want to get into politics. I'm not asking you to be a politician. But let me tell you, go read your book. Go read your Bible. Nehemiah got in the hotbed of a political situation with a man named Zanballet because God told him to go rebuild Jerusalem, the walls. And what couldn't be done in 70 years was done in 52 days because he said yes to God. And it was a political nightmare. And this man was harassed over and over to come off the wall quit building. And I think that's what's happening to you guys in your organization. And honestly, these organizations are popping up everywhere. You need to wake up and realize you need to go look into the Texans for vaccine choice and become aware, become a supporter. I want to rally people that we get out and we become not these wild eyed, crazy Christians, but we're Christians that stand up with truth and love. And guess what? That's going to take money, time, talent, treasures, words, getting involved in this. So, Rebecca, I love that you've come on, and I I think we need to think about having you back on and talking more about this. Uh, But if if you want to know more, it'll be in the podcast notes, and I'm going to see if I can talk her into coming back. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I feel like we barely scratched the surface, too, so I would welcome an invitation to come back. Perfect. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbridled Live podcast. We know your time is valuable and we hope we bring real and relevant content that helps you live that unbridled life. If you want to help us spread the message, you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to us and share it with a friend or two. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're doing, head on over to theunbridledlifepodcast.com and learn more.